A word from our sponsor, Von Seger Designs is a small Nebraska custom woodworking business making hand-burned customized wood pieces to be a statement in any room. Working with clients every step of the way, from hand-selecting the wood to customizing the design Von Segrin Designs, makes the process as smooth as possible. Specializing in items from themed bar carts and tables to cutting boards and signs so that you can show your team pride all year round. Show your Husker support in a unique and functional way. When you work with Von Segrin Designs, you support small businesses throughout the region. Allow Von Segrin Design to create a custom, fresh, hand-burned piece wood for your home or business. You can link up with them at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-D-N-E-S-I-1 and at V-O-N-S-E-G-G-E-R-N underscore designs. So check them out on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. Uh, go Big Red, and uh, let's start the podcast. to throw down toward the goal line going up ball tipped in the yes. touchdown Gordon Westerkamp Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest oh baby far side back to throw is Martinez not being chased throws it out a flat Burkhead makes a catch sets a tackle 25-20 Rex Burkhead touchdown Nebraska got zach here joined by drake drake what's up boss not much man how are you i am doing fabulous i'm joined by you gentlemen tonight so could not be in a better spot right no my celtics are up 3-0 right now they're gonna kind of walk their way through the rest of that series Uh, who are they playing even brooklyn oh they uh they got Kyrie, right yeah that's that's about all i know about basketball I, I, I sounded like I was a fucking expert, though, right? No, not at all. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to move on with this conversation. Fitz, what, Fitz, what's up, buddy? Not not much. Uh, just came down to the basement, really, just to get out of the wind and uh, happen upon this uh, little podcast. So I'm looking looking forward to it. Really uh, excited for our guest tonight. So I'll let, I will, I will, I'll be short-winded now. Oh, sorry, bad, bad. That was not even intentional. And let you... Uh, let let us get going here. All right, hey, thanks. That's great. After that one, no more dad I, jokes. That definitely wasn't planned. I'm sure. Wink, wink. Anyway, we're joined by our awesome guest tonight, Dustin Shooty. There we go. I got it right this time, right? You nailed it. You there nailed it, we go. I only, <laughs> I only practiced it two times, and we got it on the second one. Dustin, what's up, buddy? Hey, uh, not much. Although, if if you guys are putting a ban on dad jokes, and I might as well stage exit left right now. I mean. That's my wheelhouse. <laughs> oh, we're gonna we're gonna get along fabulous. Dad, dad jokes are allowed. Fitz just gets a little carried away. You know. 
we've we've tried banning him before and it just does not work. He still slips him in. There's absolutely nothing we can do about it. We've given up trying at this point. But you know, Dustin, what <laughs> that I, I had no dad joke there. Sorry, guys. Um <laughs> Dustin, one thing, so I was actually just talking about this right before you jumped on. There is something that you put on Twitter that I wanted to talk to you about because it features one of our former guests, uh, Anthony Grant. He is one of your you know, newcomers for the Big Ten to watch this year. Um, what, what did you see with him that you liked in particular? I just saw his explosiveness. Um, I think it's really hard to tell how good guys can be when you do like a thud kind of spring scrimmage, which is what Nebraska has done for, I think, you know, two of their last spring practices. And I knew they did some live tackling this time. But to see him, when when you're able to juke guys and get to the end zone without being touched, I mean, I think that's a really impressive feat in a spring game. So, uh, you know, I guess one kind of caveat to that is – I've only mentioned players that I've seen play in the spring game. So this doesn't include people who might be injured, aren't on campus yet, you know, things of that nature. So this includes only guys in the spring game, but I just, I liked his explosiveness. I think Nebraska has a really deep running back room, but I think that he's got enough um, in the tank there to kind of work his way into that rotation and give them a, a lift out of the running back room. So I think the speed, the elusiveness, you saw some of that, We'll see how that translates in the regular season. But to be able to uh, – I don't remember what the yardage was on that. It seemed like a 65- or 70-yard touchdown run. I don't know how far it was. But um, to break that off without being touched in a spring game and a thud drill is, to me is really impressive. So that's why uh, he stood out to me, and, and he did some really good things throughout the course of that spring game, I thought. Now, Dustin, does when you're taking into account some of these newcomers – for a guy like Anthony Grant, who played in every game as a freshman at Florida State and then has two years of junior college film, does that play a factor in any of that over some of those freshmen you might have seen at other positions? Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and when I, I, I put the um, the disclaimer up there that it's, it's, it's freshmen and transfers, so I want to include you know everybody because to me, even though you do have the experience at the college level, you are still learning a new system, you're learning a new scheme, you're working with new guys and uh, new coaching staff and everything. So I think that there's a little bit, obviously having that college experience works in your favor, but I also think that there's a little bit of newness to it. So I think that puts them on somewhat of a, of a level playing field there. But I think certainly when he's had experience like he's had, um, you know, coming out of the, the junior college ranks, coming out of Florida State, I think that that does play a factor and probably why he did stand out in that spring game, maybe more so than some of those younger guys. So I think that's a valid point to make. Did one of your um, SEC writers for the uh, Saturday tradition, did they have any information on Grant um, come, come, excuse me, coming out uh, from there? Or is it kind of, is he new to really everyone? Yeah, I think for the most part, he was, he's pretty new. Um, I'm sure that there's some literature out there on him on what he's been able to do in the past and what he did at the high school level and things of that nature. But from, he was, he was new to me. Uh, And so that's why he kind of took me by surprise because I didn't know a lot about him. Um, and right, everybody in Nebraska probably, as soon as he committed, probably knew all of his stats and what he was rushing for and and what he did in the past. And I just didn't know what he was going to bring to the table. So for him to kind of have that big spring game performance, and like I said, it's not just the it's the yardage, it's it's the one or two plays that you have throughout the course of that spring game, and to do it um, in in a basically a two hand touch type of effort, I thought was really impressive. So for me, he was a, he was a brand new guy. I didn't know what to expect from him. Uh, was really impressed by him, but I'm sure that there's other guys maybe on our staff or 
um, elsewhere that probably had at least some idea what he might be able to bring to the table. Well, let me let me just correct myself then, and I'm going to have you explain a little bit more. Talk about Saturday tradition, what that is, because I, I just realized I said SEC for Florida State. It's in the ACC, so that doesn't not make any sense because I don't think the Saturday. Fits. I know, I know. I'll be leaving shortly. Um, you guys are Big Ten, SEC, and then you guys, what else do you, what's the other conference? Is it three of them you guys cover there? We are up to four now, actually. Okay. So Saturday tradition is all Big Ten. Saturday set down south, which kind of launched this uh, Saturday football uh, company, is the SEC dedicated. We have uh, Saturday Road, which launched just before the – I think it was midway through the season. Can't give you a date, but Saturday Road covers ACC. And then we launched Saturday Out West, with a, which I think was after the national championship game. I think we launched that one maybe sometime in January. So those two sites are new. Tradition's been around since 2015. I've been part of it since 16. And then um, Saturday Down South, they're going to fire me if I don't get this right. I think 2010. I want to say 2010 was the launch date for the original SEC site. Oh, very cool. Very cool. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to clear that up because my, uh, my poor planning just uh, really came, came through. Hey, Dustin, going back to that Nebraska spring game and kind of some of the stuff that you've seen you know, across the board uh, in regards to Nebraska. Are you ready to pick a starting quarterback? I think it's Casey Thompson. I mean, I'd be interested to get your guys' take on it. I do think what you saw from Chubba Purdy, though, I think when he's at full strength, I do think that that quarterback battle is going to be closer than what people think. I think a lot of people just thought Casey Thompson, starter at Texas, big name guy, going to get all this NIL money. He's going to be the starter. And I think that will be the case, but I don't think it's going to be easy. Like, I, I, I think Scott Frost is typically pretty direct and pretty honest in his press conferences. And he said, we're nowhere close to naming a starter right now. I think he's legitimately serious with that because I think he wants to see what Chubba Purdy can do um, when he's at full strength. And I think you might I, – I don't think Logan Smothers is in the hunt for the number one job, but can they find some wrinkles for him and, and be able to utilize his, his skill set on the field in some capacity? I think that that might be a factor in it as well. So I think, yes, Casey Thompson, I think, will win the starting job. But I'm going to be interested to see what Purdy does when he's healthy. I mean, what what is your guys' take on it? No, I'm right there with you. I, I you know, since they both committed, I've, I've said Casey Thompson all the way. Um, I, I think he plays, plays the position right and he does well. Um, and then when we found out, you know, Chubb has been sitting out most of spring, we thought it was a done deal. And then what he was able to do in the spring game with only a few practices and kind of, you know, I thought he showed out in the spring game. He was the one guy that I really came away super impressed with uh, after rewatching the spring game. So I don't, I I think it's closer than I thought. I think you're right. I think it still goes with Thompson partly because of the experience. Um, But no, I was very impressed with Chubb and I don't, I don't think it's a done deal. I agree with I agree with that as well. You've got if it weren't a new system in a way, it's, I know it's not a totally new system with Whipple. They're they're kind of blending some of Frost concepts, uh, what Whip, what what Whipple likes to do. Excuse me. And but if it wasn't, you could probably give a nod to that to that backup maybe a little bit quicker to to Smothers because um, he he did a really good job against Iowa. He's got the trust of the of the locker room of those guys already. So that dynamic's a little bit different. But you do you've got two guys that one little no experience and then Casey Thompson, who's got a ton of film, 
who's got some does some really good things. I, I just think it'll be interesting to see how it's going to shake out with now this world of NIL, you know, not making promises, not, you know, it's nothing's written on. He's got his stuff, whether he starts or not. So it's not, it's not, I guess the end of the world, but you just kind of have this feeling that it starts to trend that way. And I, I think Whipple probably has a big effect on that, which is going to be, it, it can't be a bad thing for the Huskers. So I probably go, um, very similar uh, Thompson projected starter. And then I'd say a really good battle for that, for that number two. What do you think, Zach? Who's your guy? Man, that's a, that's it, Matt Masker. <laughs> no, um, I, honest... watch, watch it happens and we just light a match and we're done. Hey, Ian, yeah, I've heard of crazier <laughs> shit in this world, so you never know what could happen. Um, I guess for me, I've been on the Smothers bandwagon all off season. Um, he, he didn't have a great spring, didn't have a terrible spring. Um, it sounded like from what it, what happened and everything that Thompson showed out, and that that's great. I mean, he's the big name transfer, so it's not like he's not talented. He put up numbers at Texas. He he did a lot of good things down there. Um, I really like Purdy, and I was really excited when he. Um, committed just because i think he's probably the f- most physically talented quarterback that they have that's in the race right now i know harburg's got the bigger arm but i think he's still w- away a year away at least uh same thing with torres a year or two away to even be in the competition um i, I could see uh purdy possibly pushing for that number one spot if he could have a strong summer and really push it deep into you know right before the season starts I'll go Thompson, but I think Purdy could push him for it. Uh, I think the plan is to have Purdy start next year. Honestly, I think that's kind of why they're brought in one and two like that. Thompson Thompson plays a year, he moves on with good with a good season, good film, gets him gets into the draft, and then now Purdy is the heir apparent. Is that that's kind of what I was thinking because I know Purdy was coming off. I think it was a shoulder or collarbone injury down at Florida State before he transferred out. He got up here. He had a foot injury too, so he didn't. He didn't have a whole lot of spring practice. I don't think it was serious, but it was serious enough to keep him out. You know, getting these these reps and everything like that. So, I, I think it's a the best that quarterback room's been since I don't know what. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think the last good quarterback battle was that Frost or not Frost, but um, Newcomb Crouch. I, I don't know. It's been Dan Keller. Gans Keller, anybody? I want to punch Sam Keller right in the face. (laughs) Hey, Dustin, um, I'm going to pump your ego here a little bit, but I, I would argue, and I think these guys would too, you might be, from a Nebraska fan perspective, a favorite non Nebraska beat writer who covers the Big Ten. Would you guys agree with that? I, I would. I would wholeheartedly. He's either he either is playing the game better than anyone, but it's if you look at it, he's we're his constituents. He's doing his job, but the I think the interaction not to not to hijack this, but the interaction I think he gives is probably a big part of that. Dre. Oh, um, absolutely. How does that feel? Because we hate our own. We hate our own. So, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I have noticed that to an extent. Um, you know, what's really interesting and it's, it's funny that you bring it up because the very first story I kind of wrote, then this was before I worked at Saturday tradition. 
um, got me kind of alienated from the Nebraska fan base. It was about the hire of Mike Riley. And what I wrote was, I don't remember what the headline was, but something along the lines of congratulations, Nebraska, you're going to be looking for a new head coach in three years. <laughs> and shockingly that didn't go over too well, but I ended up being right. So, you know, um, you mean Nebraska I, just overreacted to something negative? It was, uh, I mean, it was, it was crazy. And then for it to kind of come full circle where, um, I'm not saying I'm the most popular, but I, I do feel the love within the fan base. And I think honestly, guys, it's the thing I appreciate about a lot of Nebraska people that follow me and I follow them. And, and we have these great interactions is there's a tendency to, from a, a media standpoint to kind of almost talk down to fans. Like I work in this profession, you don't, I know more than you. And that's the way it's supposed to be. I don't view it that way. My job is to not know more about Nebraska football than the Nebraska football fan. It's to know more about Iowa. It's to know more about Wisconsin. It's to give you maybe an insight or a story about Nebraska that you maybe didn't think of or an opinion that you didn't think of. So I think where that kind of um, that, that butting of heads comes to for some, as you mentioned, some of your own. And it's just to me, it's almost like this is what I see. This is how it's got to be. And this is how you need to take it. As opposed to me, I'm interested to hear. That's why. That's why I ask what you guys think of the quarterback battle. I'm interested to see what you guys think about it. I think what I take away from fans is it gives me something to watch. If you guys say something on Twitter like "Look out for this guy" or "Look out for that guy" or "This incoming," that gives me something. That helps me do my job better. So I appreciate the fan interaction, and I think again because sometimes we get paid to do this because we're at the games and at media days. Sometimes there's this idea that we should know more than the fans and I think for in some cases that's probably true in, in certain situations but you guys know who who the third or fourth string quarterback is uh, you know before the season starts I don't know who that is until the spring game you know I don't know you guys know all about the recruiting rankings and everything I've got to follow 14 teams I don't know all that stuff so it's it's really been a lot of fun to to do that and I think when you don't talk down to fan bases and this isn't just specifically to Nebraska. This is Ohio State, Michigan, Purdue, Illinois, you know, whoever. When you don't talk down to fan bases and you have this, we don't have to agree on everything, but if we respect each other and we give each other the opinions and, and explain why we have those opinions, I think it's made it's made my career a lot easier and a lot more fun, I can tell you that, as opposed to how I started out thinking I needed to be Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith on, on <laughs> first take or whatever it was called and, and try to rile everybody up. That's not the way to go. And I think you've, you've kind of endeared yourself in a way that you've built up that trust enough that when you do have a, a, a statement that might be unpopular or might go against um, what we think should or what we want to happen, it's not it's not the end all be all it's, Hey, we can discuss this like adults. We can, you've got that opinion, but again, you, you've probably got some substance behind it, but at the end of the day, it's still just your opinion. And then we wait to see how it shakes out. So that's what I think. And like, like I said, the interaction that you have with the fans um, you know, there's, there's this long running thing and we start, we get to know people via Twitter, that small, you know, what, 140, how many, 200, how many characters is it? 140? Is it doubled now? I think 280, right? 280? Yeah, it's up yeah. to 280 now. I'm behind the times. But we're getting these snapshots, but it's like college football, whiskey, going on hiking. <laughs> Drake was asking about 
something or someone named Biscuit earlier. I mean, we just we get to know this stuff and then we can talk football. So it, it really is. It, it kind of gives us that that feel like we're all just kind of sitting around, you know, shooting the shit and which makes it fun. And then it becomes it's not attacking or it's not, you know, it's just personable. So it's, it's pretty cool. And that's what sports should be about. We shouldn't be arguing and shitting on each other all the time. It, it should be fun. And Fitz, how dare you attack Biscuit like that? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't attacking Biscuit. I mean, it I, felt like an attack from here. Yeah. I'm, ass, I'm assuming right now that Fitz because we don't like see dogs. Biscuit, Biscuit is actually out on a hike somewhere. That's what I have to assume because don't, we don't see Biscuit. So um, that's, that's, that's where we're at. See, we're learning so much about everyone. He's currently enjoying chewing on this chewing on this peanut butter bone he has at the moment. So hey, that's uh, what Zach was doing earlier too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's how I get my daily protein for the day, guys. What can I say? I, I think were... just just to uh, just to hark just to talk on that point just a little bit more. Like I, I completely agree. I think sports are way are way more fun when you're having conversation. And, and again, we don't have to agree on everything. Um, and, but I think the, the difference that I, that I try to, to make is this is why I came to my conclusion. This is, you don't have to see it this way, but let me give you the reasons why. And if you disagree, give me those reasons why there's too much of that, you know, this opinion sucks. Um, and you know, there's a bunch of vitriol that's spewed out on Twitter. We need to get rid of a lot of that stuff. And for the most part, I think Nebraska's up there. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of fan bases that are really good. That, that you know, Minnesota's one of them. At least on my end, uh, Purdue. There's not there's not a lot of hatred towards that. I think there's a lot. Nebraska's a very passionate fan base, but there's not a lot of hatred. They'll tell you why they're while I'm wrong, and that's perfectly fine. But there's not a lot of hatred in that. We have a lot of conversations, heated discussions. I love it. You can tell me I'm wrong. You can call me out if I'm if I you know, pick Nebraska to lose and they end up beating Oklahoma by 21 points. I want to hear all about it. I'll eat crow all day. Um, that's what makes sports fun. It's what makes it unpredictable. It's, it's the, it's the kind of hatred and, and nastiness we see on Twitter that gets, as you mentioned, out, out of hand. And I bet Dustin, you would like to see Nebraska win a little bit more instead of all those one score losses. I can't imagine when you would tweet about, it, I can't imagine your, your notification bell going off because you know we'll we'll jump into a conversation on one of yours and it'll go on for three days i i think that honestly that it this is gonna this is patting my ego a little bit i guess but i almost feel like the one score losses helped me in terms of like my twitter popularity because there were so many ridiculous stats like you can't even look at the stats anymore and take anything away from what nebraska did last season but you would tweet out a stat and it's like, how is that even possible? But it, there it is getting 100 retweets, you know, 1,000 likes because it's just so unbelievable that, I mean, it would be, I mean, yeah, you. to me, it's more fun to win, right? Like, it's more fun to write about teams that are winning. And and But there was still a level of intrigue with Nebraska last season, even though they were so, like, they were so close in all those games. They were still, to me, it was must-watch television every single week. It was it was like, how how will they finally get over the hump or how are they going to find a way to blow a lead late in the game? And I know people don't want to hear that, but it, that's what made it so interesting. And I have to, from a fan's perspective, I'm a fan of the Indiana Pacers, the Atlanta Braves. I have to tell you, it's 
a hundred times more interesting to watch a team that's very competitive and has a chance every week. And even if that team goes three and nine, as opposed to seeing a team get beat by 35 points and getting blown off the floor, the court, the field, whatever it might be. Um, so I, I just, I don't know. It was, it was one of the craziest seasons that I, I can remember. Yeah, that was going to be my question is being an outside fan, what was it like to watch last season? You kind of already answered that question with just you got to tune in to see how they're going to blow this game or what they're going to do to shoot themselves in the foot this week. Um, I do remember there was there was a, a column someone wrote about it, and they had their algorithm or, or whatever, and one of the uh, stats was luck. And no one had ever been this high before, but it was like a negative three in the luck column. So zero was here. Nebraska was up here. The closest person to him was like a point oh five negative or something oh, like wow. that. So they were by far the unluckiest team in football history, apparently, last year. I mean, we all seen it, but one of the crazier stats I've, I've ever heard. But, you know, we, we still show up and everything, um, which kind of takes me to the, the spring game, uh, talking all that. Do you think it means anything to Husker fans that we weren't number one? In, in spring game attendance this year, Oklahoma beat us there. Yeah, I mean, but that's always been a, a point of passion and a point of pride for Nebraska. And I think that that's it's awesome to see that every year. To, and to me, it's it's less about, you know, selling the place out or having the most fans. It's just the fact that you're able to get tens of thousands of fans to a spring game. I mean, you look across, look at Michigan. They won the Big Ten last year. How many did they have? Like 15? I don't remember what the number was, but I think it was between 15 and 20,000. It was, it was um, pretty low, and it's just kind of felt dead when you're watching it. Yeah, right, right. And I think you can say the same about a lot of different spring games. I mean, uh, so to have that many fans, it's, it, it's just a, a tribute to how passionate Nebraska fans are. They don't care. Uh, come hell or high water, they're going to be in attendance. Uh, and I know it wasn't at max capacity this year, but we've seen it enough to know that that's, that's the standard at Nebraska. And then um, you know, you talk about the sellout streak. That's still it's it's an incredible thing to talk about. Uh, and, and you talk about the attendance at the spring game. And I know they weren't number one, but man, it, what an atmosphere. And I think it's still a great recruiting tool. I don't care what anybody says. I know recruiting has changed quite a bit with NIL, but to come and to see what was the what was the total for Nebraska? Was it 65? That was 54 only. Uh, 54? It, yeah, it was 54. Yeah, because Penn, Penn State came in at 62,000, okay. their number. Nebraska was at 54, but they were still top five, I believe, in the nation. Right. Yep, four. Yeah, three, yeah, three of the top five were in the Big Ten, Penn State, Ohio State, and Nebraska, I think. I'm not sure if it was that order. But um, just to go to a spring game and see that that's the kind of turnout, and then you know that every game, every home game is going to sell out. Like that, that means a lot to a 16, 17, 18 year old kid still trying to make his college decision. Well, you, you, you've obviously done your homework because what did you tweet out? Was it yesterday? There's nothing else to do here. I mean, that, that's <laughs> the, that's the standard, that's the standard response. But then you look up, I guess there's nothing else to do in Norman, Oklahoma. I guess there's nothing up. Well, maybe happy Valley. There might not be much else to do, but um, you know, it's, 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 it's a passion. It's supporting the team. Everybody wants to look. I mean, I, I, I am confident that if they were to run, if they were to run, you know, four open practices on a Friday night, and we've seen this where they've had some of those Friday night lights camps in the past and fans could go. I, I bet if you had four open practices, you'd probably have 10,000 people just sure. there to watch that one practice. And then there'd still be 
tons because whether it's getting your kids to go to take them in for the first time, seeing the stadium, you know, there's so much more to it. And that's, that's what college football is really all about. It's that it's the locale, it's your state representation. You know, it's, it's not, not needing to explain this to anyone that's listening to this podcast or anyone that we're, we're talking to right now, we get that. So that's uh, that's always a bunch of shit when it's like, well, there's nothing else to do. Why else wouldn't you go to the, well, there's 12 of them a year. And we want right. to, you know, get as much as we do as we can. Well, and you know, to, to that point, Fitz, the thing that kind of pisses me off, and I always give our SEC guys some crap about this, is the mantra is it always, it, it just means more for the SEC, right? Well, obviously it doesn't, because you have 65, or you, 54,000 fans showing up at Nebraska, 62 at Penn State, whatever the number was at Ohio State, probably around 48 or 50,000. Um, I don't care what there is to do in each state, if if you're in Georgia, if you're in Alabama, if you're an Auburn fan, whatever the case might be, if it really means more, aren't you going to go to that spring game? That's number one. That's how I view it. If it just means more, then that means you're willing to drop everything to go to these games and support your team, regardless of if it's a spring game or, as you mentioned, maybe an open Friday practice or a regular season game. The other thing that that it kind of irks me about this is you think about what Nebraska did this year in donating some of those open seats to those kids that didn't, you know, got to experience their first college football game ever. For some families, this might be their only chance to go to a college football game all year. So who are you to judge? Oh, well, there's, you know, nothing else to do in Oklahoma. There's nothing else to do in Happy Valley. That might be a family or a kid's only chance to see his favorite team because tickets are through the roof right now, right? So I think there's a lot of different factors involved there. And those are, those are always, you know, the first point is more of, you know, I got to get my jabs in with my coworkers here. And it doesn't mean more in the SEC if we're, we've got three of the top five uh, spring game attendances in the Big Ten. But the second point I think is more valid. When you have passionate fan bases, and look, I grew up around the West Lafayette area. So I went to a lot of Purdue games as a kid. And I remember that place used to get packed by Wisconsin fans, Ohio State fans, Michigan fans. And they would tell you it's easier to get a ticket to a road game than it is a home game. And so I'm sure for a lot of people, those spring games, like I said, that might be their only chance every year. And and it's either free or five or ten bucks. So, you know, it's a great way to get people to experience their first college football game. Yeah, I had a big I had a big problem with comp- people complaining last year when the tickets were given away to you know kids that are never going to get to go any other way. Who the fuck cares? I mean, honestly, exactly. someone paid for the ticket. It doesn't come out of my fucking pocket, and these kids got to experience something they'll never get to experience any other way possible. I just I I feel like if you have a problem with that, you're a real cynical asshole, really. Well, well and. and- and- Zach, to that point, sorry, I'll let you you jump in there, Fitz. This is your podcast, but apparently I'm taking it over, right? <laughs> uh, no, but at, at, at the end of this, at the end of this, one of us gets fired. So this is you really your, your audition anyway. So that's the the how we work this. No, but go ahead, go ahead, and then I'll I'll follow up. You're good. Go ahead. Just. Well, to, to that point, Zach, I, I don't understand um, why it's such a big deal in the first place. Like. To me, and again, I think the sellout streak is cool. It shows how passionate fans have been. If it ends in week two, who cares? If it continues on for another 50 years, who cares? Like, to me, I don't understand why this is such, yes, it's going to be a noteworthy story if and when it does end. But it's, I don't understand why it has to be such a big deal and why everybody's, that just never made sense to me. If it ends, it ends. It was still an incredible run. 
it doesn't make Nebraska fans any more or less passionate in, in my opinions. It's just, it's a change of the times. It's a view like ticket prices are outrageous. Every game's on TV. There's a lot of different factors involved here. Well, and the school knew that they were going to take some arrows because they didn't have to publicize it the way that they did. They didn't have to put all that stuff out there, but it was a good thing. And I think we, we lost people, not we, other people, other fans, even some of our, again, going back to our own media, you know, that anything that they can cut, cut apart, it starts to just like, I'm going to make this story. And I know we, we need all the information because what was it a few years ago, they started reporting pretty regularly on, you know, scannable t- scan tickets versus butts in seats and all this other. It's like, you know what? There are, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. So I think what they did was a good thing. I, I imagine. And I think we started seeing it in other schools as well. We're going to see all this. I mean, it's, it happens everywhere. Again, it's just this, the fishbowl that it is in the microscope that we see because of the locale and the coverage, it just makes it easy to pick it apart, but it's so, some of that stuff is so stupid. I got a question just to kind of tie a couple of things that you brought in. I'm not sure how, how closely you've covered the Oshawn Mathis uh, kind of recruitment situation with uh, Texas and Nebraska, apparently. But uh, with the whole NIL thing, is it is it interesting to you how open everyone's been about it being such a big factor in his recruitment? I mean, I haven't followed it as closely as you guys probably have. I think... I mean, I, I kind of knew we were going to get to this point with NIL, not specifically this situation, but just the fact that when you legalize the way that or when they permitted NIL to go into effect without any really regulations, I, I don't know what I, at to me, there's no boundaries like people could, like you saw the kid from Kansas State just committed to Miami. and He's going to get a, basically he signed a two year contract for eight hundred thousand dollars. Eight hundred grand. Is, nothing is stopping those kids from doing it. So. It's, it is interesting to me. I don't know how the NCAA puts the toothpaste back in the tube. Now, again, for this specific situation with um, between Texas and Nebraska, I wonder, and again, I've not been following it as closely, but if you remember that Casey Thompson was on the Bussin' with the Boys podcast, and he said, if you come here and you're a starter, you can make six figures. And I kind of wondered if that was like his hidden pitch, you know, like, hey, uh, you know, this is something we can do here. If that was just him innocently saying, Hey, this is, you know, one of the reasons why I came here. I don't know, but it is interesting. Something to keep an eye on because I think we are going to get to the point, at least in the near future. And I don't know if it'll last long because I think it's bad business, but the, a lot of these recruits and these type high profile transfers are going to start going to the highest bidder. I think you're going to start to see that more frequently. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it, it was almost like a light switch. I mean, it's really hard to rein it back in once you've put it out there with no parameters or anything on it. It's just like letting a dog go out and saying, hey, you got to come back. And when it doesn't come back, you're like, oh, shit, what do we do now? I think that's kind of right. the situation that, that they found themselves in. Um, but, you know, obviously kids are still going to want to go play for these winning programs, your Ohio States, your Michigans, your Penn States, programs like that. Do you think in the Big Ten it's going to really start shifting like the power paradigm, or do you think that your top guys are still going to be your top players? I th- I think Nebraska, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on this podcast, I do think Nebraska is probably in the best position to kind of emerge from going from kind of that mediocre where it's been since it joined the Big Ten back up to the top 
because the fan base is so passionate, because the Huskers are really the only game in town, I think that that is advantageous. And, and there's a fan base from everywhere from, you know, California up to Maine, right. And down to Florida, there's a, there's a, they have fans coast to coast. So I do think that you can see Nebraska maybe make that climb. I don't know where else you're going to see it in the big 10, but to that point, I do think Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state, when you look at those alumni bases, surprisingly Rutgers is up there. I didn't know Rutgers was had such a huge alumni base, but apparently it's one of the top in the country, like top 15. Um, so watch out for the Scarlet Knights. Big 10 championship is imminent for them. Apparently. Um, hey, but Dustin, do- Dustin, not to cut you off. I, sorry. I'm cutting you off here. But in, in regards to like Nebraska or Rutgers where, there's like I think Rutgers in their college system has like 15 schools. Does that count towards the alumni base here? Like, would Nebraska Kearney and Nebraska Omaha count towards Nebraska's? I I think it does um, because it's still it depends on how it's set up. So I actually worked at a college in uh, before I started doing this in Indiana, and it depends on how the university system set up. But like everybody, there were. I don't know, 10 to 12 Indiana University satellite campuses, but all those degrees would say is Indiana University. Didn't matter if it was Kokomo, if it was Northwest, if it was South Bend, wherever it was, it was an Indiana University degree. So I would assume as long as it's a Nebraska degree, it probably is the same. I, but I don't know how the I don't know how the sec, the um, secondary education system works out there, the post-secondary education system works out there. So that I, I'm, that's probably above my pay grade to answer that with certainty. Well, isn't so that what Texas, Texas counts? Texas has some of those satellite campuses and they count that as for, I mean, as far as when they talk about how many students attend Texas, right. they, they, and whether it's to inflate the numbers or just a, you know, a show of, a show of, of force. But I, I would imagine Drake, you're probably onto something that for Rutgers, the Rutgers that we know, and as far as sports and stuff like that is probably a little bit smaller. But when you when you bring that out a little bit, I'm guessing that's 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 a good question. Uh, who's our research intern right now that's going to check on that and report back? Um, I think it's you. Is there, OK. OK. All right. So I'm still now qualified as an intern. I well, I, <laughs> I was just curious because like Rutgers, I think they have like nine division three schools that all have athletics. <laughs> Penn State has four or five. They have like Penn State Altoona, Penn State Harrisburg. And I just was never sure if those all tied in for that alumni base. That That's a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that. I would assume so because it, it probably depends on how the funding is split out, to be quite honest with you. If it's all state yeah. funded and all under that umbrella, that's it probably would. But I don't I can't answer that um, with any certainty. Let's uh, let's stick on this uh, kind of in this transfer mold here. So we have the potential for Oshawn Mathis, which I have told the guys, and I know they're tired of it, but if you think about his Irish heritage, this is a joke, everyone, and they're going to Ireland. If you start connecting those dots and you start putting the pins in the board, I, I think it's a lock that he's going to beat Nebraska. But potentially him coming in, and you have um, Casey Rogers going out, and that, that, tra- that idea of transferring um, – one of the one of the podcasts that I, I enjoy, and we've we've had uh, Steve Sipple join us, and then we had with uh, Parker Gabriel and, and Chris Bazinet for the Husker Extra. They got in a really good discussion, and it kind of goes back to the you know can't put the toothpaste back in the tube of what are those unint- unintended consequences. But you've got somebody who's really out there just testing the market, and their their conversation stemmed around 
Does he go out and he gets a list of offers and here's what I can do? I mean, we saw him on Twitter for here. He was a name that people knew, but he's living a rock star life right now. You know, the photos that he put from USC just kind of, it was, it's crazy. And, you know, I didn't even like, that's his personality. You didn't quite see that here, but does he come back and say, okay, I've got this list. Here's what I can get a, B and C. Cause he said he's, he's leaving all his option, options open. Do the coaches want to keep that going? Do they want to say, Hey, you know what? Yeah, let's, we'll meet this. Because their big the, the question that they posed in their situation on the podcast was, are you inviting 10 other guys to do the same thing? Like, you know what, after as soon as the spring's over, I'm going to go test this. And if I can get A, B and C, can I come back here and get A, B, C and D from my original school? Is that you think that's a possibility? Is it outlandish? It's not outlandish. I'll say that. I think it probably depends on the player. If it's Caleb Williams, you probably do that. I'm not sure that Casey Rogers would fit that category. Um, and, and that's not taking anything away from him, but you look at, um, you know, the, obviously the, the way it's going to go, the quarterbacks are obviously going to get the most, whatever, NIL money opportunities, whatever you want to call it. I think that in certain situations, it, to me, it'd be really difficult to do that. Um, unless, like I said, it's a Caleb Williams type player, because Again, these coaches, and I know Nebraska and, and other programs have, have walk-on opportunities, right? But you have to know your scholarship limit. And if there's a guy out here that you think you might be able to get, or and Scott Frost said after spring practice, you know, we're going to look at some other things, which kind of indicated they might still continue to look at the portal to address some of the pieces. You have to keep an eye on that scholarship limit. So for me, if I was a coach, it would to me it would be easier, okay, this guy's entering the portal, we're done with him. Now, like I said, if it's Adrian Martinez, if it's Caleb Williams, yeah, you know what? We'd love to see you back. Let's keep the conversation rolling. But if it's somebody like I, – I don't know. I think that Casey Rogers is a replaceable player. Um, and so for that reason, I, I don't think the, the question is outlandish. I just don't think it's probably happening in this case. But I could be completely wrong. Dustin, going into like the NIL stuff, is my understanding correct that every state has their own rules? So, like, we have different laws based around it because it's all by, per state. Is that accurate? Um, that's how it – that's a great question. Um, there's There were different laws in different states, but I don't know – because the NCAA kind of opened this thing up, I don't know – Because they're also really hands-off, right? They're very hands-off. Yeah, the NCAA wants basically nothing to do with it. Um, the states, it kind of started from the state level, right? They got the ball rolling. I can't remember. I think it was California and then mm -hmm. some other states, maybe Florida, Ohio, got the ball rolling and, and really kind of pressed the NCAA to make a decision. Um, from what I can gather is most of the states would be on the same page with most of, most of what the legislation would read. The only difference is I think some states allow it at the high school level and some do not. I think that's primarily the biggest difference. But in terms of college, I it has to be close to a level playing field. Otherwise, I don't know how some schools would be able to to keep to keep pace with these other programs. Well, well you had go ahead, Drake. Well, I was just gonna say I feel like I read I feel like I read that the state of Texas they missed out on the first year. The state didn't do it. Because right. they wanted to put in some legislation, which now like University of Texas has a fund where everyday fans can donate to it and the school pays. 
but at Nebraska, I think we also now have a fund through open doors, but the school isn't, cannot be involved and the coaches can't be involved. Right. Right. I'm that's probably going to change though, is going to okay. be my guess because, well, I don't know about the coaches, but I'm guessing the school can be involved because I'd have to look, but Oklahoma is doing something very similar. And I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's basic, it's not NIL. It's basically, they're just giving the players 50,000 or whatever the money, the total was, they're just giving the players money. So I'm guessing at some point, it's just, it's basically going to become play pay for play as I would call it. I don't know that it's I, to me, name image and likenesses. I sold this Adrian Martinez t-shirt. Me as the company, I'm getting 50%. Adrian Martinez is getting 50%. Or I sold a, um, you know, I sold a, a Garrett Nelson jersey. Garrett Nelson gets 50%. Um, the, the store gets 50%. Whatever the, that To me, that's NIL. This, if you look at what Oklahoma's doing, that's just players getting money. Like, I don't, not, yeah. that's not. That's like finding endorsement deals. Yeah. Right. So where does that, where does that, that 85 player scholarship limit when they're giving players fifty thousand dollars, goes goes away. I mean, and if you can tell, I mean, how do you you can tell a guy, hey, we don't have, so we we know, okay, we're gonna be, we want you to come in as a preferred walk on. You want to be, we want you to be a gray shirt, do all that stuff. Well, now, you know, even going back to the very beginning, BYU had, I think, was it Muscle Milk, their company yeah. out in Utah, did the whole, and it was on on uh, social media, but they awarded jobs and I'm using air quotes here to however many walk-ons and said, here's yep. this much money and it can go to their tuition. So they essentially, whether it's one year, however many years while they were there became another scholarship player. So that number goes from 85 to 90 to 95, hundred. So does that, is that the unintended consequence of the rich going to get richer or does it maybe level it out where it squeezes it in? And now the middle is a little bit stronger than the, than the top tier it's it's there's so much that goes into it right now it's in the how much the schools can because we have open doors which essentially manages it for the players keeps their profiles keeps their accounts right. and stuff then we have abm which is actually creating that fund which I, again people could like drake said people can donate into that you mentioned it as well oklahoma's doing texas is doing that it it's it's just it's either going to level off in, in a couple of years or it's going to be so out there that Olympics, Olympic amateurism is going to go by the wayside at some, for some sports basketball being one of them, probably it's just, it's, it'll be fun to watch, I guess. I mean, and good for them. They they're, they've got a skill, they've got a marketable skill. Let them, let them have it. Right. And I think, I think Fitz, I've said this numerous times about the transfer portal and Dustin, I'd like to get your opinion on it too. But I think with the way the transfer portal is going, there's going to be some sort of a market correction where some of these lower end guys hitting the portal aren't getting picked up. So somebody's going to see that and they're going to s- slow it down, right? There's there's going to be a market correction somewhere in all of this, right? Well, I I would like to say yes, but again, the NCAA is – they they drag their feet so much with some of this stuff. Um, First, I'm going to talk on the NIL point one more time real quick, because I think the thing that frustrates me about the NIL is I'm for players earning money, but if the NCAA would have not been stuck in 1974, whenever the last time the rule book was rewritten, there's no reason players can't make money off of their Jersey sales or get some money from those EA sports video games. Or if they want to, you know, if they're in, in the uh, do an autograph session, but if you would have gradually 
did that, um, you would not be in this situation. Players could earn a couple thousand. They might be able to, able to make good money, but you'd be in a situation where it's actually name image likeness, where they'd actually be able to use their skills and it wouldn't be this outrageous thing. Now, would some schools benefit more? Yeah, heck yeah. Ohio State still be the premier place to go. Nebraska, Miami, uh, well, maybe not Miami, um, but Florida, Alabama, Auburn, some of these other schools. Um, it, it just, their reluctance to do anything caused kind of this, tsunami of just everything coming all at once and and like we said like i said earlier some guy is getting a two-year contract for eight hundred thousand dollars to transfer from kansas state to miami the transfer portal thing is really something interesting to keep an eye on because i think the unintended consequence of that is you're probably, especially right now with the COVID-19 free granted, you know, year is you're going to see a lot of high school student athletes that would have otherwise had an opportunity to make their, get their opportunity to play in college. They might not get that opportunity or they're going to have to play at a D2, D3, NAIA school and may not get a scholarship opportunity because you're seeing players with now six, seven years of eligibility, depending on the situation. And, a lot of these guys, I can't remember the percentage, but I think it was in the 40s or maybe even the 50 percentile where those FBS transfers, they weren't landing with other FBS programs. They were going to the FCS. They were going to D2, D3, NAIA. And so that has a trickle-down effect, and nobody thought that that was going to happen. And again, a lot of times when I was growing up watching, you know, you would see guys, the third-string quarterback at Indiana or Purdue, when their four years or five years were over, they were out the door. And now that's no longer the case. They're, they're sticking around. They have that extra eligibility. Uh, and so, again, it has that trickle-down effect. So what I would like to see, um, and this is going to piss off Mel Tucker. It might even piss off some Nebraska people because of what has, ha what has happened and how they've recruited through the transfer portal. I'd like to see a limitation where you can only take X number of guys through the transfer portal. Uh, and I know that might create an issue with uh, if you have 12 guys leaving, you can only add five or six. But I think that that would ultimately cut down because it eliminates the amount of players that each program can take. Therefore, it limits the amount of players from each program that are going to leave. Now, maybe you do implement something where if uh, Mark D'Antonio steps down, you allow those players to enter the transfer portal because of the coaching change or, you know, a head coach gets fired midway through the season or whatever the case might be. There might be some extenuating circumstances where you grant permission and extend that um, out where they have more opportunity to leave if, if there's a major change but I think there needs to be some sort of limit placed on this and, and I don't know the number um, maybe it's five maybe it's 10 maybe it's 15 but I mean we saw tech I think it was Texas State two years last year two years ago they didn't recruit a single player from the high school level it was all transfers and to me that's not good for the sport that's not good for those high school kids that need those opportunities to get a second post-secondary education not just from the football perspective. You, you brought up Michigan State, and I was going to come around to this as we talked about transfers. Um, exactly what I was going to talk about, the amount of transfers they had last year, what were they at, 25 or something like that? 18, yeah. 18 of the 22 maybe that started defense, offense, were, were out of that. Um, and they're doing a little bit of that this year. Is that – can they do that again? Is that Was that an anomaly? Was it just – or is it – can they do it? I mean, it, it, I just, I find it amazing that what happened and everything came together and new coach, new players, and they, they were really successful or was it just Kenneth Walker's doing? I mean, that's, and so does that, I guess then the, the end of the question is 
how does that bode for Nebraska? Is that, does that trend to, Hey, this could work or is it still just, you know, unknown commodities right now? I think it is sustainable. Now I don't know that it's sustainable in the amount at which Michigan state recruited last season and even this season, because there's so many moving parts and you got to get, like I said earlier to open this, you know, when we were talking about Anthony Grant, there's still, you got to learn a scheme. You got to learn new staff. You got to get along with your teammates. There's just so many factors involved there that there's no guarantee a transfer will work. But I think if you're Mel Tucker and, and you can point to and say, look, we turned Kenneth Walker into, you know, maybe a late NFL round draft pick. And he was the running back of the year in the big 10. He was the dope Walker award winner. He's going to be probably a top in the rounds two to four, depending on the projection you look at come to Michigan state and we can do that for you too. And they've been able to do that. They picked up some guys, uh, Amir speed out of Georgia. They picked up um, Jalen Berger out of Wisconsin and, and some other guys through the transfer portal that I think can make Chris Bogle out of Florida that, that I think can make a, a pretty big impact. I think the key though, is you still have to recruit by and large from the high school ranks. You have to have that foundation there. This to me sustainability is not, you know, getting 22 new players and starting all 22 and that being your team. You have to have some sort of foundation there. To your point, I think Nebraska has done, I think they've recruited well enough over time under Scott Frost, where I think they're in a good position. And now they're plugging in some of those key pieces that they needed. We saw that they hunted, uh, added Hunter Anthony on the offensive line. They needed some offensive linemen. They were able to add some guys that running back to the transfer portal. They were able to add Casey Thompson and Chubba Purdy and give this one of the better, um, well, more well-rounded quarterback rooms, probably in the Big Ten West, I would say. Um, they were able to add Trey Palmer. They were able to add DeAndre Jackson and, and some of these other guys, Omar Brown and, and Tommy Hill in the, at the secondary. So I do think Nebraska, when you look at who they brought in, I think that they can make that big jump. I said today earlier when I was on um, Sirius XM, I thought that Nebraska had the best chance to go from three and nine to maybe make that jump to eight or nine wins because of the additions they made from the transfer portal, because of the coaching staff changes. I just don't think you can do it every single year. You have to have that foundation in place for recruiting from the high school level. And I still think when you look at the history of Nebraska's recruiting under Scott Frost, I think he's had a top 25 class every year, but this year. So for the most part, he's been really good. And I think that because of that, that's why I think it's more sustainable. Yeah, one thing, it, it's always seemed like when Nebraska gets successful, there's always some innovation in, in the sport, whether it be allowing different players in or, you know, uh, I think one was, it was like Prop 48 or Prop, Prop 9. I can't remember what it was, but uh, that one really helped kind of boost Nebraska up again. So hopefully NIL and transfer portal can be the next thing that they really start utilizing like you said build with high school but then kind of sprinkle your your transfer portal guys on from there and then kind of see how you can be successful from there i mean michigan state proved it's 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 something that you can do um it would be hard to do it i yearly i think it'd be almost like that juco model which works for some schools but god that that's tough you got to count on everything going right well and and to that point, I think you go back, and I remember this really well. When Jeff Brom was hired at Purdue, he struggled to get recruits in his first recruiting class, and he had to go through the junior college ranks. And that worked for one year. And it worked for, you know, they they went seven and six that first year. Then they got they went to six and seven, had the big upset win over Ohio State. But after that, they fell off a cliff. They were four and eight the following year and 
I can't remember what the, they had a losing record in 2020. I don't remember what it was. I can't remember how many games they played. Um, so that's why I say you have to have that foundation because the junior college model, the, the influx of just depending on transfer, like you said, Zach, you can, you can add those right pieces. You can add the players in and you can have a big transfer recruiting class. I just don't think you can rely on it because so much has to go right. When you have that foundation, when you have guys in your program three or four years, and that's the heart and soul of your team, that's where I think adding a big transfer class might be able to help because you have the culture implemented. It's now getting the talent up to where it needs to be. And I, that, again, that's why I think Nebraska is in a good spot because I think they added talent where they needed to add it. I think the culture's there. I think you saw that last year, even with the three and nine record. It's just now getting the talent up to where they can beat Iowa, Wisconsin, um, and, and be more competitive in games. And I know they were competitive every game last year, but be more competitive with the likes of Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, some of those teams. You, you said, you know, we the, keeping the, the foundation has to be strong. It's not like you can, like you said, run out 22 transfers and, and hope for the best. So that development piece that we can all agree is, you know, you've got to get one, two, three. Big Ten linemen are going to take two or three years to get physically developed and ready to go. So there's, you know, you've, you've got naysayers, you've got both sides of the fence, you know, can this staff develop? Well, we saw a very big shift and change with some hires this year. Do you think, and I'm not sure how closely you kind of were looking at this, but do you think Frost was looking and trying to make coaching changes already last year and it just wasn't right? There were, there were, there was discussion. There were some rumors that Joseph was approached or there was, you know, even last year. And do you think he just kind of had to, to get through it? Or was this a Trev influence saying, Hey, this is what we've got to do. We know the money part of it and all of that, but I'm, I I really kind of wonder if, if he, if he would have done this last year, if he was just waiting or if he just didn't have the right people, it would, it'd be interesting to kind of break that down. That would be an interesting, that's an interesting question, Fitz, uh, because I, I know what you're asking. I don't have the answer to that, but what it does make me wonder is, was there a, because he's coming off that 2020 year and, and every school lost a ton of money due to the pandemic. Was there a situation where Scott Frost and, and Bill at the time, I think it would have been Bill Moose, you know, Hey, I want to make some coaching changes. Well, we can't, we're kind of strapped for cash. You've got to make what you have work. That could have been a factor. I, I don't know that for a fact. Um, I do think that the reason you saw the change this year was obviously Trev Albert said, we'll restructure your contract. We're going to give you one more year, but you have to make it work this year. There's, there's no, and clearly what was happening on offense. I don't think it was awful, but it just wasn't working. Uh, and so I think that's why you saw the changes this year. But I, I think Fitz, that's a great question because there were so many factors. Um, they, at times last season, they looked, or in 2020, excuse me, they looked really good. At other times, you're just scratching your head like, what the hell team is this that we're watching right now? Um, so I don't know if that was a frost decision, if that was a financial decision because of the 2020 stuff. That's, but that's a really, that's a really fascinating question. I'd like to, you know, maybe 15, 20 years down the road, uh, we'll get Scott Frost to answer that at some point because that, that is an interesting uh, question you posed. Now, do you guys have, as far, you know, thinking about asking those types of questions, do you have people from Saturday tradition that actually are attending press conferences, moving around to the schools or is it all, are you doing satellite type stuff? What, how do you guys set that all up? Yeah. So it depends on the school. A, a lot of schools, um, you know, you can request um, to, to have a basically kind of a phone line 
into the press conference. So if you have a question, you can ask the question. Um, sometimes we'll have people, if, if we're going to a game or covering a game, usually the press conference will happen on a month. It's usually a Monday or a Tuesday. So we might try to get there the week before so we can ask questions. So it's because we do all 14 teams, we're not at every press conference covering it um, and asking our, the questions we want to have asked. Sometimes what, what I will do though, is, you know, if you know enough people in the business, Hey, ask, you know, Tom Allen, this question, ask Scott Frost, this question, and you can kind of get your question asked that way when they're doing the press conference. And then you can listen to it usually on big 10 network, or it's played on the, um, I think Nebraska does that. I think they live tweet it. Basically they, they have a stream of it on Twitter. Um, so there's ways to do it. Even if you're not there live, we try to get there live to, to some of the bigger press conferences or for the bigger games and stuff, not always possible, but um, we do the best we can. We, I sit here every Monday and Tuesday during the season. And I'm watching every every press conference I can get my hands on. And, um, you know, a lot of times coaches won't ask the, the inter- answer the interesting questions you want to ask. So it's pretty mundane, but sometimes they do. And that's why, like I said, sometimes I, kn- I know some people that cover different teams and I'll send a text and say, hey, can you ask this for me? Um, we'd really like to know we've got a story coming out on this or whatever the case might be. Well, you you just brought that up, the story part of it. And in, in writing these articles, your uh, your uh, colleague Alex Hickey, um, his headline for his uh, Illinois <laughs> post spring game, it says, "quote With Tommy DeVito, Illinois might actually be able to pass the ball." That <laughs> is the. I mean, just Nebraska fans would probably be you know plane tickets and and finding where he lives and whatever. But no. But having fun like that, you you say yeah. that you you kind of know your 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 base, what you're working with. I think that's just that kind of bringing it back is is how it should be. But we we can all see it though. It's like, I mean, as bad as it is, Nebraska lost to them last year right. because they played a different front and they weren't ready to make the change. I mean, that's that right there was the okay. Now it's time to make some changes. We've got to do all this stuff, but if it, if it works, but you know, just seeing that headline was pretty, was pretty funny. And I, I, I'm, I applaud him for that. Yeah. I, I laughed when I saw that too. Um, it was great. And I made the comment when, I don't know if you guys watched the Illinois Wisconsin game last year, but I made the comment at halftime, like that was the game, the forward pass died because I think there was like two, like two out of 15 were, passes were completed in the first half uh, between the two quarterbacks. It was something ridiculous like that. I don't remember <laughs> what it was exactly, but uh, and that's to me, um, and, and maybe I'm, I'm, re- you know, revealing too much behind the curtain here, but for me, I try to find a balance almost between being professional journalist, ESPN type, CBS sports type, and, and getting you the coverage you, you need and you deserve and you want. And then on the other side, the bar stool, right? Having some fun with it, you know, po- I'm going to make fun of your team. I do it for all 14 teams. It's just what's going to happen. I like to have fun. I think we can all joke about our teams or our rivals or whatever the case might be. Um, so it, I love that our, our bosses allow us that kind of flexibility to have fun with the stories we're writing because, um, yeah, we can write a story about why Tommy DeVito is going to improve Illinois passing game, but it's not nearly as fun as, as explaining why, how bad it's been, why it's been so bad and coming up with that kind of fun headline. Well, I think we are uh, working on some good time here. This, all this means if we, we kind of start to wind this up here, that just means you have to come back on. And uh, as we get closer to the season and chat through that, but I do have a couple, uh, a little speed question round here for you. Oh boy. Um, 
just again, basing all this on the uh, what you kind of put out there, um, Disney World, what is the connection? What is the catalyst? Was that something you did as a kid every summer? I, I find that fascinating. So I'm going to put these all out. And you can talk about whatever you want. Favorite, favorite beer and or whiskey, because you, you talk about that a lot. And then this old soul thing. Have you seen a movie that was released post 2000? <laughs> All right. I'm writing these down so I can touch on all of them. I don't know how brief they'll be, but <clears throat> I'll do my best here. So Disney, I'm going to give you, excuse me, I'm going to give you a brief answer on that. Basically went there a few times as a kid, loved it. Um, I'm a, I think I'm a big, I'm a 34 year old kid at heart. Uh, I actually lived in Orlando, Florida for two years and I worked at the Disney Springs area, which is kind of like the shopping plaza area um, of Disney world. And <clears throat> I have to tell you, it's, it's one of the more satisfying jobs I've ever had because I worked in a college for three or four years and helped people get their degree and move on and, and better their lives. And I got more middle fingers than I got thank yous working that job. And at Disney, these kids, these guys, you know, men and women, parents, families, they're on vacation. And I help check them out when I work at House of Blues in the retail shop. And it's, oh, thank you. You've helped make our vacation so much better. <laughs> or, you know, you're a part of our vacation now or whatever. And that's just, you know, that's just really a, a gratifying feeling. So it will always have a, a special place in my heart for those two reasons. So that's the Disney question. My favorite beer or whiskey. Um, I just tried some Angel's Envy, and I'm really a big fan of that. Um <clears throat> Four Roses small batch is pretty good. I don't know if I can pick a favorite. Um, my favorite beer, I'm a big IPA guy. So I'm just going to put the IPA category. Not a lot of people agree with me on that. So I'm just going to say IPA is my favorite type of beer. I don't have a specific brand or um, anything like that. And then the movies. Yes, I have seen movies made after. <laughs> uh, however... Uh, during the season, so I don't know if you guys watch a lot of classic movies. Yes, no? Classic movie for me is Die Hard. I, I'm not above okay. I'm not above that. That's where, and I've watched some late, I, I get in these ruts where, and I love the fact that when you, now with the, with the streaming services, this whole idea, you, Paramount Plus, you, Peacock, you, who, whatever it is, you tell me what I should watch next. So when it comes on, customers also watch. So I start on 13 hours, watch that again and again. And then it tells me I should watch this. And then eventually you get three or four in and you're like, how did this even get released? How did this get made? So, but yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. So uh, my, my uh, love for old movies basically came in 2017 when I started uh, working Saturday tradition full time. I, I did it for, as a contract worker for one year and then, moved into a full-time role. And during the season, I get, you know, usually one day off. And usually that day off is not even really a day off. It's just the nature of the business stuff is always happening. And that's fine. But if you watch a lot of old movies, you notice there's not usually a lot of action and a lot of dialogue. So you have to pay attention. And what I found was that because I was paying such attention to these classic movies, I was not on my phone. And it was such a nice break. And that's why now, like you'll see pictures of hiking or going out to breweries or whatever, and I'll watch classic movies or I'll read. I'm currently reading a book on Jimmy Stewart, Wonderful Life, if you guys have seen that. Um, it, it's just you have to pay attention to the, the old movies. You cannot be on your phone texting or tweeting or whatever, reading your emails and watching those and know what's happening. So for me, it's a great just a way to disconnect from 
the, the, the cyber world from internet, from work for two and a half, three hours. And so once I watched the first two or three, I think Casablanca, Citizen Kane, um, Singing in the Rain were a couple of the first ones I watched. And once I realized that I was not on my phone while I was watching those, that's when I was like, okay, this is, this is a good way. This is a good stress release for me and a way to get away from work. So that's more or less than anything. It's a good point. I find because I, I turn something on and then I find I'm really just it's on to be on and I'm disinterested right. and I'm back on my phone and I'm doing, you know, working, you know, watching, um, watching Zach jump on the, the blocks and do his exercises and stuff just on, on repeat and repeat and just really lowering my self-esteem that I can barely pick my phone up. And then he's doing all this really cool stuff. So we just give him a hard time, though, because he's he's actually works out and he's actually has muscle where it's supposed to be. So we're just we're just jealous of you, Zach. It's OK. It's OK. I'll take it. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've heard worse things today, so I'll, I'll, I'll take what I can get at this point. <laughs> well, I don't think I got anything else. Uh, Fitz, you got anything else for Dustin? I think I, I I got through my list of, of questions. I'm I'm pretty I'm no I'm I'm pretty good. It's it, it it's it's fun because obviously in your with what you do that understanding and and the knowledge of the other teams brings a really good perspective. Um, I guess one last my last question that I I am done is where where do you see Nebraska finishing? You know because there's you know, you've got pretty good, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State in the, in the east. You know, it's always kind of a, a toss up. Wisconsin always finds their way through there. Nebraska looks like it could if it flips it, it could be a, a big change. What do you what do you see for them in the season? Yeah, um, it, it's a tough question because to me and I've said this multiple times, too. To me, it's all about it's more about a mentality than it is talent. I think the talents there where they could. I don't know. I don't want to say they're going to win the West because I think they still have to kind of get to that level. But I do think they can at least be in that conversation where they're winning eight or nine games and being in that race. On the other hand, if they're not able to get into that mentality, if they're not able, if, if they go to Ireland and they lose to Northwestern, I mean, things could go off the rails quickly because to me, the, the mindset is, and, and I'm not, to, I'm not saying this just to be mean. I'm saying in my head, a lot of those players are going to say, here we go again. We still can't get over the hump. And then all of a sudden, 2021 replicates itself. I think when you look at this schedule, the way it sets up, I look at Northwestern as a win, North Dakota as a win, Georgia Southern as a win, Oklahoma is probably a toss up, Indiana and Rutgers as a win. So to me, you're looking at probably worst case scenario, like what's that? One, two, three, Six. five and one heading into the Purdue game. And then you've got Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa. If you can steal one of those, you're bowl eligible. And I think, even though six and six isn't great, it you got over the hump. You get to the postseason. You would have had to have beaten somebody good, right? You have to beat Minnesota or Wisconsin or Iowa or Oklahoma to get that six win. So I think Nebraska gets to a bowl game. I don't I don't want to say eight and four, nine and three yet. I'm not ready to make that leap, but I think that they're gonna be in that six and six, seven and five range. That's my right now how I look at it. I think they'll win that game at Northwestern get over that hump and then rattle off a couple wins to start off either five and one or six and zero heading into that game against Purdue. I'll take it. Sweet. Well, we like hearing that. That's a damn good way to end this. <laughs> well, try uh, to appease the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Got to go. keep them coming back for more. 
Well, perfect. Um, Dustin, we want to appreciate we appreciate you joining us tonight. Um, we'd definitely love to have you back on here. This was a, a fun podcast to do with you. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Drake, Fitz, and Zach, and I'd be happy to join anytime. I, uh, I enjoy our interactions on Twitter, and I enjoyed our interactions here tonight. So uh, anytime you guys want to have me on, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Perfect. Sounds good, man. Well, Dustin, thanks again for joining us. Uh, everybody, thanks for joining us again. And uh, for everybody, we'll see you later. Take care, guys. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red.